0: What's
1: up, everybody? Big Sky Breakdown, Colter Nuanez, SkylineSportsMT.com. Thanks so much for hanging out with us here uh, on the Big Sky Breakdown. We're in the rhythm. We got the rhyme. This is our analysis podcast for the week. we got our normal batting lineup. we got Brooks Nuanes, co-founder of Skyline Sports, to talk all things Grizz and Bobcats. University of Montana coming off their third straight loss, a 24-21 heartbreaker at Weber State last week. The Bobcats coming off of a bye. The Grizz sit at 2-3 in Big Sky Conference play, 5-3 and three overall. MSU sits at 5-0 oh in Conference play and 7-1 and one overall. Cats number three in this week's poll. The Grin is number 16. Weber State uh, hangs tough in the top five of this week's poll, as does Sac State. The Hornets are second. The Wildcats are fifth. And uh, Idaho also in the top 15. They are 15th this week after their 31-28 loss at Sacramento State. Game of the week in the league this year, All right, this week, excuse me, is uh, Sac State playing at Weber State? Uh, the Wildcats did bounce back from their first loss of the year at Montana State two weeks ago to beat the Grizzlies. Now they got Sac State coming to town. The Hornets, the last undefeated team left in the Big Sky Conference. Montana is back at home against Cal Poly. Montana State on the road at Northern Arizona playing in Flagstaff for the first time since 2017. Followed, following Brooks Nuanas, we'll hear from Ty Gregorak, our lead analyst here at Skyline Sports, longtime assistant football coach. Throughout the Big Sky and now a contributing analyst here at Skyline Sports and the color commentator for the uh, Montana State football broadcasts on MTN and MontanaSports.com. appreciate Coach Ty for always joining us. He's got plenty to say about the spiral of the Grizzlies, the play of the Bobcats, and uh, just the job that Brett Vegan's done there at Montana State. And uh, then we'll hear from Andrew Houghton. He has his Big Sky Scramble Power Rankings edition this upcoming week. Uh, It's already out on SkylineSportsMT.com, so we'll go through the second power rankings for the Big Sky Conference season and uh, debate. How he has all the teams ranked. So stay tuned for that. Andrew Houghton, contributing writer and podcast uh, contributor as well here at SkylineSportsMT.com. As I record this intro here on your Thursday, my legs are shaking, man. I just got done with a little hype strength class down there at the Hype House. Allie and her crew, man, they do a great job. If you could see me at, while I'm doing these, hilarious, I'm sure. Uh, I am certainly one of the only guys there. We're trying to change that. You want a fast, efficient, super challenging, and uh, high-energy workout workout, Go check out the Hype House. They don't just have spin classes now. They have these strength classes as well, upper body, lower body. We did some beat-based leg stuff. We're doing squat jumps and uh, hip thrusts. And I tell you, it's it's great for the fitness, but it's also just so good for the mobility, the flexibility. As you get older, I promise you, that's going to help your life. It's going to make work easy, even if you just sit at a desk, increasing your core strength, all that stuff. So appreciate the Hype House for helping us keep and, uh, staying fit during football. And uh, because of that hard workout, I'm going to have to hit up Hot House Yoga tomorrow as well. That's certainly uh, going to be key for me to get it all stretched out and sweated out for sure. Appreciate Jen and all the folks down at Hot House as well for uh, keeping us fit during football. And got to thank the folks at uh, Elevate Nutrition and Nutrition on Reserve. They're partnering stores. Elevate Nutrition uh, over there off of Brook Street, right behind Fuel Fitness, and uh, Nutrition on Reserve right in the Grand Creek Plaza. Your protein intake's huge when you're working out all the time, so uh, definitely a uh, key for me. So I appreciate Elevate Nutrition and Nutrition on Reserve. Here's the Big Sky Breakdown, starting off with Brooks Nuanas. Thanks for listening to the Big Sky Breakdown, skylineSportsMT.com. Thanks to all of our great sponsors, Blackfoot Communications, Connect to More, Nick Tabor and Westpac Wealth, helping make your life more tax-efficient. Town Pump, keeping us fueled up all season long. Town Pump by the Mile, a great promotion that we got going on. They're helping us travel all over the Big Sky Conference, and they're also helping you make your trips all over the Treasure State and all over the West as well. And uh, we also got to say thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity, and JNV Restaurant Supply, your home for everything kitchen. Big Sky Breakdown. Colton Nuanas, Brooks Nuanas, you know it, the duo. We're in the rhythm now. Crazy. We're into the stretch run. November, first Big Sky Breakdown of November. This is your analysis podcast for the first week of November Coming into the final month of the regular season, Montana State sits atop the Big Sky Conference standings. They're 5-0 in league play, 7-1 overall. The Bobcats, uh, one of just two teams left, remaining undefeated in Big Sky Conference play alongside Sacramento State, who posted a 31-28 win over the University of Idaho last week to knock Idaho from the ranks of the Big Sky's unbeaten. Sac State, Weber State this upcoming week uh, should be a good one. Montana, they sit at 2-3 and three in Big Sky Conference play, and uh, five and three overall, three losses in a row for the Grizzlies. Certainly disappointing. Uh, entering November, a couple get right games for the Grizzlies before they play uh, the Cats. Uh, Brooks,
2: most surprising thing to you so far, uh, the first couple months of the season here. I'd have to probably lean on Idaho being, you know, so darn good. I, I figured that I really liked Kochek um, in my time that I got to spend around him um, in, in Bozeman. Um, for one year and i thought he was a good coach and, and had a great tremendous success at south dakota state uh offensive coordinator role and i i, I just thought it was a pretty good hire I, I could see the fit and i could see them playing tough like they have they've been tough on defense uh, the vandals have for for since their uh, re-entry to the big sky but freshman quarterback i just didn't see them being a top 15 top 10 style team uh the win in missoula obviously over the grizz a huge one uh, so idaho's up there um sacramento's state's continual ability to stay within the top of the ranks and and not have any blunders. I really think they're going to, they can, they're going to struggle in the playoffs until they don't. And I hope that makes sense is that I think Sac state has, doesn't quite have the tradition, the legacy, the fan base, the home field advantage, the kind of things that really help in the FCS playoffs. Um, But Sac's ability to like take punches and really just stick to who they are and what they do. I think it's really impressive. I mean, I think that it's really easy for them to not be, you know, the 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 kings at the ball and 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 not have all the legacy that that Weber Montana Montana State have and to take go on the road, get wins, take punches at home, get wins, get into overtime games, get wins. Um, I think it's been darn impressive.
1: I mean, 20 and 1 in the Big Sky Conference since Troy Taylor took over, doesn't lie. It's a pretty impressive run. Also, don't look now, People are starting to care. 15,000 people were at the Grizz game uh, a couple weeks ago. 17,800 people showed up on uh, Saturday night to watch them against Idaho, which was their largest non causeway Classic, uh, non-UC Davis rivalry game crowd uh, in their Big Sky Conference history. Their stadium holds 24,000, so they still have ways to go to to fill in the the blank spots, but... That's a hell of a lot better than playing in front of 3,000 people in Whoville or something. Utah we can say that now because Southern Utah is not in the league anymore. Um, God, I miss Southern Utah already. Saw Southern Utah's women's basketball team at the Marriott in downtown Ogden. No idea what the hell they were doing there. Uh, But they were there. Saw them. There they were. And uh, it's just funny how you're you're here and then you're gone. It's amazing. Um, For those that don't – that think that uh, there's – not a lot of exposure for teams in the big sky I tried not being in the big sky <laughs> what the hell happened to North Dakota <laughs> Southern Utah North Dakota's got it going a little bit now uh, in the Missouri Valley Football Conference but um, Brooks it, it's certainly true Idaho being in contention g- gives another quality team in the league Sac State continuing uh, to assert its uh, dominance on the rest of the conference is such an intriguing deal I think that the, the overwhelming opinion across the state of Montana was that it was a flash in the pan. I think people really wanted to believe it was a flash in the pan. But at this point, it's hard, impossible to say that it is a flash in the pan because you know not only have they gone 20-1, and one, but they beat the Grizzlies three years in a row, and that's a, a pretty good measuring stick. They've only got a chance to play the Cats the one time, so uh, maybe that's a caveat. But either way, Sac State's been impressive. The other surprise in the league, at least broadly big picture, is Montana on a three-game losing skid? We can get into all the whys. You're shaking your head no. It's not that surprising. Why do you think it's not that surprising? What uh, What are the factors that have gone into this, uh, especially Saturday's 24-21 loss to Weber
2: State? Well, I guess to be on a three-game losing streak, you have to lose three games. But, I mean, I, a betting man before the season would say that going to number two Sac State and then the next week going to number five Weber are both games that you could definitely lose. So, I guess the Idaho game would be surprising. But as we watch them continue to rise, it's less surprising in retrospect. But in general, I mean, I think right now we should be talking about them on a two-game losing streak, and that would be equally disappointing. So the surprise nature of it is what's a little bit different for me, I guess, in that perspective.
1: Is Montana underachieving? Were they overrated? Or uh, where are we at with the why of the Grizz and their current skid?
2: underachieving it's one of the more talented teams i've been around um you know especially the depth piece of it which i think that we've talked a lot about some of that depth there's some guys that, that definitely you know play over their head who i think are good players and when you're on this team with this roster and you play in washington grizzly stadium and you have this the the style and everything i mean I'll, not anyone it's not plug and play by any means but like yes those guys are having success some walk-ons some missoula kids some stuff like that where you know, you're you're playing a little bit b- bigger than your britches but um but in general they have a lot of depth um, the thing for me Coulter is it's 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 a little bit of a leadership issue and i and i don't want to talk about i see a lot on twitter like hey you know pointing fingers at all these young kids think about if if i talked about your daughter that way it's like okay that's all fine that's i get that and i can agree to it in some some level but i also think that there needs to be accountability for people who ask for it for people who not only they vault themselves into these positions and then they make it clear and known what the position is that they hold as a leader on a team, Robbie Helk, We could talk about Patrick O'Connell's people like this. I think that they want these expectations and they deserve to be, to feel the criticism that a lot of the fan base has provided. Um, but I think a, a lot of it's leadership culture coaches, star players Tell me this. Out of all the stuff that's been going wrong offensively, oh, we can't run the ball, run an inside zone thirty-five times a game for one yard. Like what? What's going on there? Um, You know, no passes. I think they've Riley on your show yesterday. Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, said that they've completed two. They've had two plays of over twenty-five yards. In like seven weeks or two in a game. Yeah, in a month. That seems just ludicrous. Like they haven't had more than two? Like that seems nuts. Okay, that could all be the issue. Is there anything more startling than the sidelines to you? They seem dead. Like I saw there was a time where Patrick O'Connell was standing next to Bobby Houck in Sacramento. and I get it's a late game. I'm not going to say the number of the person, someone that doesn't really play, was standing behind Bobby Houck, hands on his head yawning. I thought it was, I was like, I've never seen that in my entire life. Like the Grizz sideline thing is electric. Like there is partying on the pile. They create their own pile on the sideline to party on. Like someone comes off a sack, you're getting like 95 high fives. It's not the same. That's not happening right now. And if you want to talk about process and every week's the same, we do everything the same. we, we, We prepare the same. Every team is faceless. We do all that. Well then you got to take care of your own stuff and you got to bring your own energy and you got to be have a tremendous level of leadership not Xs and Os that shit doesn't matter I mean it does but when you have better talent than everyone it doesn't it becomes a much more about the intangibles and I just don't see those things I continue to see those intangibles decrease along with the, with the level of play, whether that's play calling or not, all that's one and the same, but it's all decreasing at the same level, at the same clip, and I think that's very concerning. But then it all harkens back to
1: coaching, though, because you have to wonder so many different things. To, to me, I think that the, this version of the Grizz is at their best when they're playing with uh, an immense amount of swagger and arrogance. That's, that's what they need to be playing like. And I think that it's harder to attain that when stuff's not going right. And also, I think that so much of what they're being asked to do just isn't the right thing. And we've seen this, this is what team sports are, football specifically, but team sports are so great to watch and follow and, and also to play when things are going right. We've been on teams before where everything's clicking and the chemistry's great and you're feeding off each other and everybody's making each other better. At this exact moment, I actually think if the Grizz would have never been good on offense this year, I think they'd be in a better spot than where they're at right now because to be good and then to be bad and to be pressing and to be not putting your guys in a position to succeed and everybody's feeling the pressure. You can tell from the play calling. There's no trust and the people operating the offense, that then breeds a fundamental unraveling within your team. And I'm not trying to say that these guys are at each other's throats or that it's like doomsday approaching, but the synchronicity that's required for the style that they need to play is not in sync. That's the whole issue. And then that's where you can have these scenarios where the dam breaks. Like the the style of defense that the Grizz play, the dam's never supposed to break. It's never supposed to break. You're never supposed to give up a 47-yard touchdown run. You're never supposed to let Weber State get the ball back with six minutes to go and then you don't get the ball back. That's not supposed to happen. Some styles you can have the damn break because it's complimentary style football where the seesaw, the pendulum swings back and forth. Not with this team. You need, if it's going to be the defense carrying the day, the defense got to carry the day. But I also just, you wonder how much of this is just Because they are so systematic, disciplined, they do the same thing over and over and over again. Well, at some point, if the same thing is not get you the results you you desire, you got to do something different. My fundamental concern for the Grizz is that they win games based on ferocity and just going way harder than everybody. They lose games for a whole bunch of reasons. And I think that they think that the solution is just go harder. They th- like I th- seriously think they think the solution to running the ball better is just to go harder. It's not gonna work. Like I guess we were. How many times can you run inside zone against the best front seven in the, in the league? That's not you. It's insanity. Like it's crazy to watch. It's modern day football. It's not just about being tough and going hard anymore. You have to have some sort of a creativity and schematics to like get your guys open in space.
2: You know, one of my favorite things that, that happens week to week is when Bobby Houck says, Coach, what, what do they do? What does uh, Weber State do on offense? And he goes, well, they do it the same thing that everyone in the country does, except you. <laughs> Every team, according to Coach Houck, runs the exact same spread concept principles, except the Grizz. So if every team does it, and every team has some success. Any kind of success would be okay at this point. Why don't they do that? I'm not totally sure. <clears throat> I thought one thing that I found was just so striking it was one of the was one of the most oh it was one of the most alarming things I have heard in years. Is at the Monday press conference, Robbie Houck said, "We all just step up and play, injuries or not." I had no idea that Patrick O'Connell wasn't in the game until after the game. That that's a that has to be a lie. <laughs> And if it's not a lie, that's one of the most outrageous things I've ever heard. If you take the best player on your team off of the field, you need to adjust how you play as a player. As a senior leader who is one of the most important players on any side of the ball in the entire league in Robbie Houck, you need to now play different because the dude in front of you that's making everything in the back happen is no longer there. Conversely, on offense, it feels like everyone knows that Chris Brown is on the field. It's not like, right. oh, we just plug and play, next guy up. It's like, well, why don't you treat Chris Brown like that? You don't even know that Patrick O'Connell's not in the field, and then everyone's just freaking out that Chris Brown's on the field. It's like the exact polar opposite of what you say your culture is, what you say how our program is run. I Like I mentioned, I think that that is not only shocking, I think that it's it, it, it comes from a leadership perspective position of how you address that and i do think it's coaching i do think it's players i think that it's it's a mix of both but you're kind of playing both sides of a coin that's not flipping
1: well i just wonder then if the thoughts and the theories are just antiquated because so much of this is about protecting the organization and the individuals within the organization from the noise but that, that you can't protect anybody from the noise now you have to teach people. You have to teach young people how to how to absorb and then learn from it. You can't just ignore it. You can't live in a bubble. It's not possible anymore. It's why the old school way of doing it, like do that, why? Because I told you so. It doesn't work anymore. Do that, why? You have to tell kids why. That's it's what teaching is now. They have to know the why, and I, so then I just wonder if 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 they're just stuck, and so then it just comes down to. I think that Montana and their inability to do anything but what they do, what they do, you can sit there until you're blue in the face and say, when well, we're 100%, we're at full strength. What we do is good enough to beat anybody in the country. Well, guess what? You're never going to be at full strength in the scope of a football season ever. And also, you've proven that doing what you do against Sac State, you're not going to win. And if your goal is the Big Side Conference Championship, you got to just do something different. They have to figure out ways to adjust. Right now, this moment in time, November 1st, the Grizz are the easiest team in the league to figure out how to attack. Their scheme is complicated, whatever, but you know exactly where the weaknesses on the scheme are, and you also know they're not going to adjust it. There's not going to be a surprise package where Justin Ford's playing in the nickel and you have three corners on the field instead of three safeties. They don't have it. They don't. They don't ever do it. It's the same shit on offense. They don't do anything different. It's all the same. So okay, so then if you are gonna be like that, you are gonna run the exact same thing, you're gonna be Great Falls CMR of two thousand three and you run one forty four zone and QB Waggle and that's it. Then you gotta just you gotta get your best players the ball all the time. If you're gonna run two by two on offense, you know, run eleven personnel out there all day long and just do the same shit always, okay, that's fine. If if you are doing that, you should probably throw the ball to Cole Grossman. Or you should probably throw the ball to Junior Bergen you got to figure out a way to get the ball to your dudes. Mitch Roberts is a nice player, whatever. they got to get the ball to their – if you have these athletes, you got to figure out a way to isolate that guy against a guy he's better than. Give him the ball.
2: 100%. And some things that – like to be struggle, struggling so much offensively and to come out against Weber and be like, you know what? We implemented a bunch of stuff this week. We put in four different three tight end sets. And we're going to be physical and run at you. And it's like, okay, well, you have to stick with that Then You have to, like, commit to that. Like, they kind of did it. At one time, I've been talking, and you can go back and listen, and I'm happy that anyone wants to reach out to me on Twitter if you want more of an in-depth analysis or you want it written down so you can actually read it. But the fundamental concept of running trips in football is so important because, again, three verticals on one side of the field, it just breaks the system. If you're not, you have to have an adjustment for it always. Always. There's a check. We we check it in this. No matter what, every defense has a check for trips. On Saturday, they ran out a three tight end power pair, split the three tight ends out into trips, and ran a quarterback running play the opposite way away from it. And it's like this is the least innovative thing I have ever seen in my entire life. But then they don't go back
1: to it either, though. If you're going to do that, you do it as a decoy to set up something else later, right? That's the thing that drives me the most crazy. Cole Grossman had one catch in this game. It was an 18-yard gain. It was their best offensive play of the game against Weber State. It was a sweet little, like, backside in and out, basically. And they got the ball out of Chris Brown's hand. He could throw it from a different arm angle. Just throw it to a spot. Throw it as hard as you can. and Let your long, lean, tight end go get it. Why on earth can't they run the same play again? That's the thing that's crazy is their offense looks so simple because it's so unproductive. And their run game is simple because they don't do anything besides inside zone unless they just somehow decide to run the Wildcat once a game or whatever like they were doing Junior Brigham. But either way, the, the run game is simple. Where's the the tunnel screen that Mitch Roberts scored a touchdown on in the first offensive possession of the year? You're allowed to run it again. You're allowed to run it again. And if it doesn't go for a 38-yard touchdown, that's okay. Because at least then the other team has to – To plan for it. I mean, like you watch the Cats, the Cats run like the eight of their best concepts all the time. They run Tommy Malat's best shit so they can do well. I don't understand how the Chris can't figure that out.
2: I don't have the exact number, but Cole Grossman literally has five catches this year of over close to 30 yards on five different plays. Every one of them is different. He has a 20-yard catch every single game, and it's on a different play that you've never seen before. It's like, why? it's one target, one touch. It's like, why can't you run those every, every play you know how many times i don't even remember the play call i've seen mark Mariani score on the same play so this little, little backside uh you know a little bit in a little bit up a little bit in and you catch the ball about 27 yards down the field and you're running for 60 like he's i mean he caught like eight touchdowns on the same freaking play cole grossman has 15 catches this year in eight games crazy
0: Bye.
1: Hey guys, Ryan Tutel here for SkylineSportsMT.com. You know, when we brought Coulter on a year ago, it was a huge boost to ESPN Radio because no one knows more about the Grizz and Cats than he does. But Coulter is a journalist first and started Skyline Sports to cover the big sky explicitly full-time with no corporate interference, just the sports teams and people you care about unfiltered. I'm in the sports media, I understand the landscape, and I can tell you, there is simply no better sports journalism done in the state of Montana than that of Skyline Sports. Improve your habits. Go to SkylineSportsMT.com. Big Sky Breakdown, Brooks Nuana, Skyline Sports joining us here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Thanks to all of our great sponsors, including Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot helps you connect to more. They can also help you with small business networking, fiber, small business development. They've been integral in helping us bring Skyline Sports uh, to the point we've got it to now. And a uh, proud sponsor of everything on our podcast network across all of our audio and uh, avenues, uh, Brooks. We could sit here and, and scream about the Grizzlies for forever. I do think that the I think it's no question that they prepare really well. That preparation, though, I wonder if it just lacks flexibility because I think at this day and age, and and this is this is just something that you have to accept in life. You know, nothing is like it was fifteen to twenty years ago. Society changes, people change, the world changes. You have to change. You have to change. What what that worked in two thousand eight works now in the world nothing really besides love <laughs> and I don't really know how much of that is going around right now for the Grizz so you know I just I, I wonder where Montana goes from here but all that said uh, they do have such a momentum-based style I think they have an opportunity to get two momentum building wins and they're going to go into Bozeman with a 7-3 and record and an opportunity to uh, influence their playoff lives, whether that means needing to win to get in, or needing to win to get a seat, or whatever it might be. But there's still a lot in front of this Montana team. I think the eight and two, eight and three would be slightly disappointing on how you would have penciled out their their record. But I also think that uh, we had them at nine and two, so that it's only one game delineation. And you talk about your, their senior quarterback getting knocked out, which for better or worse, it does have a huge influence in the way you operate. You got to be better at your backup quarterback. Got to have a better system for the guy if he is going to get knocked out, especially when. It's such a part of college football. But all that said, there's still a lot in front of the Grizz. So, I mean, just last thoughts on Montana before we touch a little bit on uh, the Cats.
2: I agree with you. There's a lot uh, ahead of them, and I'll just leave it at that. The one thing that I wanted to touch on real quickly was I thought it was very interesting yesterday. Bobby Houck talked about what makes a good kickoff return team, what makes a good special teams unit. and He said, the players need to feel like they're important and they have an impact. And right now, I talked about some of the sideline demeanor and some of the, those depth pieces not playing with as much confidence. And I feel like right now, Montana is so much hinging on winning on defense and special teams. that those guys that are on those depth units right now do feel like they have an impact and they feel like it's negative. And if you don't get that turned around, then you don't have anything to play for because it's just such an important piece of of learning how to play with confidence, but also instilling confidence in young people. What has changed? What stayed the same? Um, all that is, you know, it's a bunch of philosophical stuff that is for a different podcast, our, our spinoff podcast called Bubblegum and Blitzes. But in theory, you need to instill confidence in young people. And, and I hope that, that Montana, if they can find a way to do that, I think that they the sky's the limit. Um, I think that they they could easily finish 8-3 and three or 7-4, and, and make the playoffs, and, and who knows from there.
1: All right, let's talk about the Cats. Briefly, the Cats coming off of a bye. They're 5-0 and going into uh, the stretch run here. You know, One thing that I think it's funny with the way that the pundits talk is that what you think of what the schedule is for each team in July becomes fundamentally different from what the, the schedule is for teams in November. In other words, the Cats look like they've had a much easier schedule than the Grizz or a lot of the other teams in the Big Sky today because Eastern Washington is 2-6, and six, and UC Davis is 3-4. and four. But UC Davis and Eastern Washington were playoff teams last year, so in July we were talking about how the Cats had a really tough opening to the schedule because they had to play at Eastern, and they had Davis coming to town. And so it's interesting just the perspective that changes as the season evolves. All that said, you know I think that the scheduling thing is something that's talked about ad nauseum in the Big Sky Conference. It has an influence, but I think that it, it's maybe used as a crutch Way too much. All that said, Montana State has played they, – they've hardly played well from start to finish in any game when Brett vegan has been the head coach, but they've played well at the finish of almost every game since Brett vegan has been the head coach. That seems like such a good formula for Montana State, and that's why they're sitting here 19-2 and against the FCS under Coach Vegan since he took over last year.
2: Yeah, they have a tremendous ability to ride the momentum wave and also to kind of halt the – when the when the dam breaks a little bit, so they kind of can do both, um, which is unique, and that makes them really dangerous. When you get on top of them, when you start to roll, and they aren't playing very well, they have an ability to mitigate it. And then if they're playing well, especially offensively, I mean, they just roll people. So they scored thirty-five unanswered points against Weber.
1: They scored thirty-four unanswered points three weeks in a row. How about that for a step? Thirty-four unanswered, exactly thirty-four, not more or less, exactly thirty-four points three weeks in a row unanswered.
2: Yeah, and it seems like you know you have some philosophy and some implementation of of offense there uh, to do such a thing i think that montana state is really good i think they have a, a bunch of talent and they have a really good scheme on both sides of the ball one thing that i think is interesting culture i think that it needs to be applied all levels of football and all football conversations is that we oftentimes talk about players having a, a skills a, a rating like a like a video game rating tommy malott is a 92 patrick o'connell at montana is a 98 I think it's vitally important to understand, not only week to week, but within a game, that your rating can fluctuate, that you can just be banged up and not playing that well, and you can be an 84 in the preseason and be playing like a 62. You're like, no, these guys have talent. It's like, if, if yeah, in a, in a vacuum, they have talent. But like right now, that guy is actually terrible. Like this one guy, this unit, this position group is not playing well. They don't have the talent we all thought they would. Just like you're talking about the schedule, Montana State's schedule right now looks easier than it did in retrospect. Well, it could also get harder coming up because we can't, you know, the teams can improve and get better. Players can improve and get better. Players can also get worse. I oftentimes think that we, we kind of just say, no, he's one of the best players in the league. Well, he was one of the best players in the league. And Tommy lot can be the best player in the country next week. And that might not be true the week after. But I think it's very important to add to the conversation of, Momentum is a thing, it does play week to week, but there's also, attrition is also a thing, and it does play week to week. I just find it very impressive. See,
1: one thing that I find in terms of what our role is at the media, when you establish a narrative, like if you're the, within a program, and you're, you're a coach, you're a player, you're establishing a narrative about your program, or you're touting yourself, you're patting yourself on the back, either uh, consciously or subconsciously, about the things that are the strengths of your program and of your team. When you do that, then you have to go back it up. And I think that when teams talk about the variety of playmakers they have on offense or the unbelievable depth that they have on defense, it's such a hard thing to sustain. And then when you, if you ever have a chink in your armor, when it comes to sustaining it, then it manifests itself. It's very hard to get back on track. The cats don't really tout, much of anything besides touting everything. It's a very interesting way that Brett Vegan goes about it. And you wonder if that's just the the way that you stay so steady. They were never talking about their depth over and over again. It's always just that we have confidence in every single guy. And uh, then they've showed that they have among the most depth of anybody in the country because they've had, like Brett Vegan said, after uh, their last victory against Weber State, he said, I'm tired of talking about the guys that aren't playing. Let's talk about the guys that are playing. It's just insert guy here. Whenever they insert a guy, he seems to be ready to roll. There's really no discernible difference between the guy behind him. You know, There's certainly certain caveats there, but Montana State hasn't missed a beat, really, no matter who's in the lineup. Yeah, they
2: sure haven't, and I think that that has to do with their ability to have retention during the week when their implementing um, Scheme. You know, especially offensively if you got a new guy they build a new scheme for him and they they install it that week and I mean that's pretty high level stuff man That's just it, it really is the telltale sign of a mature team a team that really can implement stuff in one or two days I practice it up because it all falls in the same philosophy you know so you're, you're talking about big picture stuff it's easy to add more milk to a bowl of cereal it's hard to you know make a cream sauce out of the, the bowl of cereal overnight so it's I think that there's There's, it's an interesting perspective on what it is like to put young people in a position to succeed, ask a lot from them, but also have like fundamentals and basics that go along with it. Montana state has a a program right now. And, um, most people are pretty bought into it of the guys that they, you know, within that two and three D one thing that I thought is so interesting this year, Colter, this is a much broader or has a more depth to it than we have time on this podcast, but how the hell did both these special teams get so bad? Why do neither team in Montana, Montana State, have a special teams coordinator? Neither of them do. There's no special teams coordinators in Montana. Period. BJ Robertson is like selling insurance. No, he sells. He's BJ. BJ's out there. No, he sells the software that people are using to film high school games and get the film up and stuff. He's selling that stuff. BJ, go be a special teams. I know it's I, it's wild, man. I was trying to think about it. I bet you I've
1: seen like five or six kick, return, kick and punt returns for touchdowns in my whole career, and the Cats have given up like five this year. But everybody's reeling on special teams. Weber State's supposed to be also great on special teams. You're up 24-13, you just kick to Malik Flowers, you just decide that's when you're going to do it, and then he just houses it because of course he did. He's been chopping at the bit for six weeks to get a ball, and then he just houses it because of course he did. It's uh, It's crazy. I don't know. The, world, the world's on its head, man. Uh, what's up is down. What's right is wrong. I don't know. I don't know what the explanation is. But uh, I do think this, that there is so much chaos in the world and in college football. Mitigating and managing that chaos, mitigating and managing that noise is the key to success. I think, that, I think self-awareness, the ability to adjust on the fly, the ability to be creative around every turn, And the ability to manage all of the noise that exists in the world is the key to success in everything, let alone
2: in football. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. You know what I think that the best thing the Cats got going for them right now is that no matter what happens on a football field, if there's time on the clock, they have a high level of confidence that they can overcome, whatever that is. Um, That can't be beat rather than uh, won't be beat. Ty Okada says, you know, it's not that we can't be beat; it's that we won't be beat. And there's, uh, it's a beautiful saying. We're going to belabor it for the rest of the season because it, 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 the way he said it was beautiful, as well as it, it's just very apt and true. But if Montana State gives up a a, a kicker, ret- a punt return touchdown into a three and out, into another offensive touchdown, they don't think any, they don't flinch. They truly are like, well, it doesn't matter because we're about to score. And that level of like, it's not confidence; it's it's completely completely 100 tr- percent not only true but they believe in it like they just know that if there's time on the clock we got a chance and not only do we have a chance we should be favored because we are going to do it that's a really i mean that's an impressive thing to an uh, impressive point to get to it takes a lot of leadership it takes a lot of community oriented program you know it takes all the phases you know we say that kind of in, as a cliche but it really does it takes Everyone being on the same page, um, which Brent Vegan has proven to be able to do at a very high level. Trust matters. You got to trust
1: everybody in your organization. And I think that's uh, something that's been elusive uh, for sure for certain programs in the big sky and something that's prevalent uh, at Montana State. The Cats in Flagstaff at Northern Arizona. Tom Stuber will be at the game to cover it for us on behalf of Skyline Sports. We'll also have plenty of commentary and lead up coverage leading up to that matchup. And Montana. Back at home, Cal Poly, uh, in town, under the lights, Washington Grizzly Stadium, 6 p.m., we'll be there. Uh, Brooks and I will both be at that game uh, live and in person, so we'll have tons of coverage for you at SkylineSportsMT.com. Thanks to all of our great sponsors, including Nick Tabor at Westpac Wealth. Westpac Wealth, making your life more tax-efficient. Give Nick and his team a call today. We'll have a financial tip of the week from Nick Tabor coming up later this week as well. But keep it right here, Big Sky Breakdown, sportsmt.com Ty Gregorak, next on the Big Sky Breakdown Big Sky Breakdown, Ty Gregorak, somewhere in the middle of Wyoming. We love doing this and uh, love eating up the windshield time with Coach Ty. He's on his way back from Rapid City. What a beautiful place that is. Coming back to Bozeman. Uh, Coach Ty, coaching the league for more than 15 years uh, around the Big Sky Conference and now doing the color commentary for MTN uh, on the Montana Sports Network. And uh, he'll be back on the call this upcoming weekend with the Bobcats headed down to Flagstaff for the first time since 2017. Uh, Coach, thanks for joining us. First of all, how was the bye week?
3: Uh, it was great. I mean, got to watch a lot of ball, which was fun. Uh, Jack's transition from flag football to hockey. Uh, my daughter goes to like twelve hours of gymnastics every week, for you know every week all year round. She's our little gymnast. Candace is gearing up for the club season, and you know I don't. I know you I, I know you've known me a long time, but uh, Halloween might as well be a national holiday in the Gregorak family.
1: Oh yeah. Halloween.
3: We we, we we uh we we always have a good time around that the the, the kid the apple didn't fall far from the tree I got a seven and eight soon to be nine year old but really the big kid in the, the family is myself I love Halloween always have always will and uh, man just got to watch some football got to watch got to watch the one down in Weber uh, got a lot of the Packer five and you know I like you talk. Since I got out, you know, my Sundays were always so jam-packed that I never got to watch a lot of NFL ball. And it's been really fun to watch the NFL. I just I love watching the league and watching the best. And my goal is to uh, hopefully take Jax to his first pro game this this uh, once we get out of once we get out of uh, Big Sky play. And life's good, man. Just on the, I was in Rapid City, and now I'm making my way back home.
1: Well, I love it. I love uh, the experience of of both yourself uh, and uh, Marty Mornoway being able to dive into the uh, the world of football has been great. Coach Marty joins me every Monday on my. Uh, daily radio show, Nuana's now, and uh, so funny because he coached in the league, the NFL, for twenty seven years, and then I started getting him to do my stuff with me. So then he realized he was watching the NFL all the time. And the you know first couple weeks he's like, "Man, the NFL is exciting." <laughs> he's like, "I never realized how exciting it was when I when I wasn't working in the league." It's so fun to, to see you guys get to see what you know what all these fans have been loving for so long.
3: Yeah, and Coach M- Morning Week, you know, I, his perspective, like you can just tell his perspective is very much from a pro view and angle. And I think that it's probably been cool for him now that he's doing the same thing, you know, with, with Montana to actually get to watch, like, like, like I, like I just said, I spent so many years watching so much college football that it was refreshing to get to watch a little bit of Monday night football or Thursday night football on date night or, you know, but now to, you know, I come from more of the, you know, the college game. I mean, absolutely. Uh, it's just it's it's fun you know it's fun to when you got a seven year seven year old kid that loves to just sit on the couch and watch football with you that's fun that's really cool.
1: Well, let's talk about the week that was. We've seen several different uh, games around the league the last three weeks that have uh, shown us matchups between some of the best teams in the conference. I definitely think we can say Idaho is in that mix as one of the best teams in the conference, and that's a great story with Jason Eck taking over there in Moscow. And uh, Sac State just keeps on rolling. But the number one storyline in the league right now is the free fall of the Grizzlies. They were 5-0, and and now they're 5-3. and They're 2-3 and in league play. You can look at this uh, in the small picture the big picture and i think that both of those are applicable uh where are we at with the grizz though ty because they look non-functional on offense on saturday and i know sort of the narrative coming out of the program right now is hey we re- we lost by a single score to two ranked teams on the road but that just doesn't sound like the attitude of, of the grizzlies of yesteryear to me and i actually think that the grizzlies of yesteryear is probably one of the biggest issues that montana has to come o- overcome at this exact moment but uh, this is not a spot we expected Montana to be in going into November.
3: Yeah. And you know, we, when, if, if we don't have dueling games, which is actually pretty rare, uh, I watch the Grizz and you know, it, it's, it's unfortunate to see what's happened, but I got to say this, this, this started over a month ago in Pocatello. Uh, Cause I watched that game. Uh, we, uh, we, I think that was our UC Davis game, which was late at night on U, So, uh, if, I, if, if my memory is correct, but you know, it was it was crazy for me, and I'm assuming you would say the same thing because you and I were both in the press box for the Weber State game. Now, I don't think Weber State played necessarily that great. I don't think Montana State played that great, but to watch what Montana State did in, in essentially running rough shot. Over a very good Weaver State defense and, and a lot of that was Tommy being Tommy I mean, some of those were not designed runs. he just you know couldn't get an open receiver or good coverage and, and, and he took off and run. but watching that live in person and 347 yards, almost 350 yards of offense and and, and, and you know essentially controlling the game after, We'll call it midway through the second quarter. I, you just sit there and go, Wow, this, this is amazing. I mean because I know I know the starting quarterback's not playing. Anytime the starting quarterback doesn't play, I mean that, that offense, that team is, is, is probably not as good as if the starting dude's playing. I mean that's science, man. But but just the inability to get the ball going on the ground it does does Chris Brown no favors, you know, and when they can't, you know, again, I, I, I think I think I said it on air last week, Coulter. I think Montana State might be one of the best inside and outside things in the country. To to do what they're doing year in, year out, and not be a triple option team is incredible. And it's not like every dude on their front five is the most, you know, is, is is the Montana lines that you know you and I knew in the early to mid late 2000s where they're just these massive human beings? Justin Perkins Perkins is a two year starter. He's shorter than you, Coulter. I know. And and, and these guys are move, these guys are moving guys. They're move, you know D linemen and, and linebackers from Weaver. and and just just to watch that unfold on Saturday, whew, I mean it's I know I, I listened to your program a couple of days ago, Montana. State knows they're kind of one-dimensional, but they do it really well. And I, I think they're—I think the Grizz just kind of look like having a tough time getting the ball into their playmakers' hands. And, and I mean, again, they, they, they had the ball almost as long as Weber. They had turnovers, and yet, but they're not—they're not completing drives, and not—they're not getting explosive plays. And you know, they've hung their hat on their defense now for a couple of years, and they—they they play good hard defense. They do. I know they give up some stuff. I mean, when you're as aggressive as Coach Bear is with this outfit, you know, you're going to give up a player or two every now and then. But I don't know, man. It's, it's, uh, they've been on the road the last couple of weeks, but I think, I think they need to go out and play pretty. I haven't got a status update on their quarterback starters that aren't playing right now, or at least weren't. I don't know, man. It's, it, 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 it it's kind of fascinating to watch this thing unfold the way it has.
1: You've been on, you've been a part of teams that have been, had high expectations that had you know picked to win the league picked to you know be a national championship contender whatever when those expectations sort of start to slip and and you lose a few what's the hardest part about keeping it in line what's the, what's the hardest part about bouncing back and getting back to top form
3: well I, I think that so so everything I was just saying about how they've had some dudes down they, they have scrapped. There's been, there's been some, you know, in the last couple games, I mean, Sacramento I actually fell asleep. I think Candace, Candace watched more than I did. But they've done a lot of good things and put themselves in position to win these games. They just can't. And it, I think it's just a matter of, you know, I mean, I know Coach Coach Hough said it a few weeks ago. In football, there's going to be a winner and there's going to be a loser. It's really hard to win a game, let alone a whole bunch of them. They, they've scrapped with, you know, top fifteen programs over the last few weeks. Outcome hasn't been the way they want it. Realistically, unless unless you know train wreck, train wrecks happen in Bozeman and Sack, they're out of the conference picture. That being said, there's still so much to play for and that's what those coaches are preaching. Guys, we take care of business. We're still very much in the national conversation. They're Montana man. You you finish you finish you finish uh you know Eight, 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 and uh, how many regular seasons? Eight and three over? would how be what they'd be if they won games? out. Eight, yeah, eight and three. Well, I mean, you're still going to be a pretty, pretty high pick in the playoffs. I mean, you're Montana. You're gonna, you're gonna get a ton of revenue. Um, now they slip, they slip up one more time. Then, then you're going, whoa, okay. You, <laughs> you go, you go from can we make a natty run to how, we're out of the playoffs. How did, how did we get here in a matter of a month? Or more, you know, a little over a month. It'll be two months, obviously, at the completion of the season. So, to me, as a coach, yeah, I mean, shoot, I think back to our first two years here in in, uh, in Bozeman, man. It was it was a lot of heavy lifting, as you know. I mean, the, the the personnel was not where it needed to be. The talent level was probably not. Did we have some good players? You bet, but not enough of them. And you just gotta keep your guy. Like, hey, we all sign up for this deal. Every Saturday is a new Saturday. And the Gr- Montana Grizzlies still have a ton to play for, man. A ton to play for. And that, that's what they're talking in their locker room. And, and uh, you know, they're, they're not talking about the playoffs, so I bet. They're not talking about the brawl. They're talking about Cal Paulie and how we right the ship and, and, and do it this week and not worry about all the outside noise and people are, call, you know, finding pitchforks and for sale signs and let's fire this guy and let's fire that guy. Well, No. Coaching staff's the coaching staff, the players are the players. Now they just gotta figure it out with three weeks, three weeks remaining.
1: Getting Lucas Johnson back would be a huge help, but I do think this reveals what is a fundamental weakness of the Grizz program for quite some time. And it's always been very baffling to me because you look at Montana, the city of Missoula, the support, the stadium, you know, the prestige, the tradition, all that stuff. And Montana has had an unbelievable talent at a variety of different positions. And I think some of that's circumstantial. And I think that's one thing that's been going, uh, that's been hard for Coach Houck's staff to overcome when it comes to the run game, is they were used to just having a whole bunch of guys that were going to be their future starting offensive line growing up in Montana, like Colin Dow and Chris Dyke and all these different guys. They're also fortunate enough to have two NFL running backs. Just happened to be from Kalispell, Montana, like Lex Hilliard, and Drummond, Montana, like Chase Reynolds. That's just circumstance. You know, you beat the Cats or those guys, okay, but, you know, fourth-round draft picks aren't playing up at Flathead anymore. That's that's not a reality in Montana high school football. I don't know if it will be again. But all that said, I mean, there's been probably 50 all-conference linebackers at Montana in the last 20 years. You coached, I think, 30-plus of them when you were with the Grizzlies. But the thing that has been eluding Montana for so long has been the ability to to recruit and develop a high school quarterback. I mean, the last elite guy that they had was Jordan Johnson, and he's one of only a couple elite guys that actually came from the high school ranks to become really good, period. I mean, you got Dave Dickinson, you got Brian Ayotte, you got uh, Cole Berquist, you got Jordan Johnson, you got Brady That I mean, that's about it. Andrew Sell was pretty good. But it's been transfer you at quarterback, and this even precedes Coach Houck. But I just find it fascinating, and I also think it's just so interesting, too, because remembering back to when they were in high school, Chris Brown was a non-factor to me. I don't remember him ever really being very good. And and so you bring him in, he's got a great body. You know, you think he's a developmental guy. Okay, you got to make him better. He hasn't gotten any better, it doesn't seem like to me. But then you have another guy, Daniel Britt, who we haven't gotten a chance at all. And, you know, I mean, he was visibly upset after the game on Saturday. And in this day and age, you know, kids get upset and then they run home and then they transfer. And so, you know, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but it's it's definitely on the table at this moment in time. But then you also wonder, I mean, Carson Ross is pretty good quarterback. Now he's just a, a special teams linebacker. I mean, you didn't even give him a chance to play quarterback. McCamden Sermon from Missoula Sentinel was one of the best high school quarterbacks I've seen. And, and he's over at Washington now, you know, because he wasn't good enough to play for you. I, it just seems so crazy to me that they have such this gap in quarterback recruiting.
3: Yeah, uh, you know, and you know, going back to what you said about the Brit kid being upset, you said he was visibly upset. I mean, I mean I, his parents came down from
1: Vegas, what? and he was supposed to get some reps. At least that's what people inside the program say, and he didn't get any. Well, and it would be hard to watch that offensive well, performance knowing that you might be able to do better.
3: Well, then, then it sounds like he needs to have a better week of preparation. Because if he was better, right, I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked if Bobby Houck and Tim Rosenbaum, Brent Pease, and those guys are playing the guy. Great point. Because, I mean, you know, you know, you know what I mean. Like, I, I, all I'm saying is, okay, he's upset. Yeah, it was a bad day on offense. Well, be better than the other guy. He's obviously not. Otherwise, he'd be playing in my mind. But. Yeah, man, it's, it's uh, you know, I, I know that, that fourth-round picks are, aren't coming out of Kalispell, but second-round picks are coming out of Dillon. You know, Tom, Truth. they, 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 they kind with of, Tom, with Tommy Malott, they said, oh, you okay, bye, we don't want you. Really? Tommy's a pretty good player. If you ask me, I bet they wish they had Tommy Malott right now. No kidding. You know, so, uh, you know, and, and I've had my question. I love Tommy for everything that is Tommy. I've had my questions about Tommy. In terms of, you know, in terms of can he be that guy at quarterback? I mean, he's slowly proving to me that he can. You know, I, I don't know if it'll ever, you know, he, he's not going to look like Jordan Jordan Johnson was an excellent football player. You know, he, he's one of those where if, if all the nonsense didn't happen, he might be one of the more prolific quarterbacks that we talked about at Montana. You, you mentioned Dave Dickinson. He might, you know, a guy like Craig Oakes, He's he's born and raised in Montana. We might talk about guys like him and 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 Jordan Johnson in the same vein. Sadly, we haven't been able to really do that in the last I don't know, call it a dozen years. Brady had his Brady Guff, you know, had his had his time with with the with the stit offense, and you know, since then it's been uh, Dalton Snead, who I thought was a great player, and I, you know, what I've seen in Lucas Johnson, the kid, kid kid loves ball and he's good at doing it, you know, but. Also, two, two you know two guys that had to transfer into the program. So, yeah, man, it's it's crazy. Um, you know because this, you know you know too. Going back to what we were talking about the run game, you know, these, these coaches aren't in their first or second year. You know some of them some of them came with Stit in, in terms of you know the offensive line and running back room. You know those guys have been around. And I mean, you know J- Justin came on board with us uh, under the flu grad era era and then got his first full time gig under in under Delaney you know so and, and then obviously on the defensive side of the ball you've just got <laughs> decades and decades and decades of experience at at, at at you know some of the blue bloods of all all the college football you know so I don't know man it's 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 kind of a quandary and it's it, it sure is going to be interesting to see the way it plays out but I mean you're right on it's it's just it, it, it's crazy I mean you and I've had these conversations about the cats you know and when you're when you're on the defensive side of the ball and you're like good Lord, you know, you know, one short sure of have Troy Anderson playing on defense Two, When you guys got, when you got, you know, guys like Tyler Brugman and Chris Murray and, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're trying to get all these different guys to do, be the guy and they just can't, you know, we, we've had the same conversations. And uh, so anyway, man, yeah, it's, it's pretty fascinating because, you and I can both name name on you know we can we can name we've seen in our time in the league in our time in this state our time with both programs we've seen some of the most prolific quarterback play and then and then to see four quarterback play you're going how's that even possible at either of these programs because we've seen the Travis Louleys and you know and the da- Denarius da- McGees and Jordan Johnson and Craig uh, uh, Craig Oakes and Cole Burquist and Andrew Sell and these guys make championship runs.
1: It's mind blowing. It just seems like it should just be so easy. Maybe it's just not that easy, but it just seems like it should be easy to find really good. I I don't know. I just I wonder if they don't swing for the fences enough. I I, I would be going out and recruiting the best, some of the best guys in the in the region. You know, like I'd be trying to get because what, what what do he got to lose? Like go get a three or four star guy. You know, see what he what he's got. I, I guess. But that's, you know, I've also seen a bunch of three and four star guys lately that aren't any good. So I don't know. It's, it's fascinating to me though. I just, it seems perplexing that Eastern Washington has had eight straight All-Americans and there's been so much up and down and so much varying levels of quarterback play at the Montana schools. It it is really weird. No, it's crazy. I mean,
3: you're right. I mean, it's, that was that was our first game doing it with the with the CBS, you know, and, and it's just like, and, and this guy, you know, Talkington waited five years, uh, you know, and, and that, but that, all these guys, you know, it, it, I heard you guys mention it the other day. It's like, Cage Cooper was a really good quarterback, and he got he got Wally Kemp by, the next great Walter Payton. I mean, it's just like, wow, how how, how does Cheney, which has none of the bells and whistles none of the bells and whistles in terms of fan base stadium financial backing all of it how are they getting quarterbacks every year and 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 it's not happening here you know minus having to get into the portal so yeah man i mean it's you need it that's a deep dive man it's it is fascinating though you're right
1: well let's switch gears talk about the cats for a moment uh the cats got everything out in front of them and uh you know the weaver state game was a crazy one but well, you gotta give Brent Vegan all the credit in the world. I mean, his ability to be pragmatic and just diagnose situations and you know, there's all sorts of different ways to coach and, and making in game adjustments are always gonna be key. But I just find it so interesting that Vegan seems to be able to diagnose the problem and then attack it in a different form or fashion every time. And and uh, he he's almost batting a thousand when it comes to that. You know, like Matt McKay's not playing well. Great, we're gonna go with the freshman. McKay is going to leave. We don't care. You know, and then on down the line, they've had so many injuries. Offensive line is all banged up. There's no running backs left. It hasn't mattered. They just figure out a way to get it done. And they don't even have to maneuver or like meal piecemeal it together. I mean, they didn't have any running backs against Weaver State. Weaver State has. Weaver State has given up 65 rushing yards a game. They rushed for 375 yards against Weaver. You know, so it's amazing to watch the way that they can maneuver. And now here they got two what most people would call road trap games coming up before then the rivalry, but uh, you have to be so impressed with Montana State to be in the position that they're in. And people can say, easy schedule this and yada, 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 but regardless, it don't matter. 5-0, and oh, number three in the country, two winnable road games, and then you got the brawl at your house. So uh, pretty darn impressive start for the Cats so far.
3: It is, and I, I said it at the end of the broadcast, you know, maybe I mentioned it last week, but you got to give a ton of credit to Brent Vegan. They, these guys don't flinch. You know, I, I, they and that was a game where you could have flinched, man. I mean, kick return house, punt return house, block kick. I mean, it was bad. I mean, bad and interception. Tommy's first throw, interception. You know, so but they don't flinch. I mean, it's just I, I. I other, other than the brawl last year, where it was very apparent they didn't have the right mindset, they, they showed up in Missoula and they didn't play well. And this is a, this is an outfit that lost to North Dakota State in Frisco. He makes one of one of the great coaching moves. I think both of us have seen him ever. You're, you're gonna you're gonna take a dude that played and started games in the ACC that you rode with the entire year and bench him for the playoffs and then and let the freshman from Butte do his thing for four more games. It's just crazy. So, you know, o- o- Okada and the, and the, you know, they, they lost a lot of really good talent, but they brought back a lot of veteran mature dudes and, you know, guys like Callahan O'Reilly, when, when they needed a play, he made a play Eastern Washington. They need a play. Ty Okada makes a play, you know, and I mean, you know, I know their schedule. I mean, what, 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 I mean, really, you want to talk about schedule? Okay, let's talk about the first five games for Montana. I mean, I, 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 I recall Montana State having to go to Oregon State. Montana having to go to Eastern Washington, the Inferno, not an easy place to play. They won. Weaver State, good team, top five team. They won. You know, they find ways to win. That can't lose mentality is, is something he's instilled and it's impressive man his record i mean him and troy taylor's record right now for two two years in the league are like or three three for Tro- coach taylor i guess now but it's unbelievable
1: it's unbelievable it's so impressive and uh i think he just does such a good job of, of diagnosing things and uh put it on full display um w- what do you think about this week then i mean both these schools now have a chance to get right. I mean, Montana's got Cal Poly, a winless squad, coming to town, and and, uh, Cats are at NAU. Weird place to play and sort of crazy that no one on this team, no one in this organization has been to uh, Flagstaff. But uh, where are we at with this uh, first weekend of November?
3: Well, you know, it's... uh, God, I can't remember which coach said it. You know, October... October's, you know, for the pretenders, November's for the contenders, and... Both both outfits are still very much in contention. Obviously, you got Sac State and Montana State who kind of are, are basically writing their own destiny. I mean, they they went out, they're co-champs. Uh, you know, seven thousand plus feet is never easy. It's just a it's a you know going to a dome. It's it's high elevation. You're stressing the heck out of hydrating. Starting like yesterday, I mean, just hydrate, hydrate, hydrate because it's up there now. I mean, both bozeman's in the mountains but flags like really in the mountains i mean you're way up there so you know it's you know you just you don't want to see you don't want to see them let down or, or, or you know have a letdown but you know play play to their level but i don't know man they've, they've got they've had to go on the road <laughs> and you know that first quarter against unc on the road wasn't real pretty but man they they shut them out for the next three quarters uh East, Eastern, balling, you know, tried to kind of give it away there at the end, but one on the road, you know. So they've, they've proven that they've got the right mentality, that business trip mentality when they do have to leave Bozeman. So, yeah, I mean, you, you got two in a row. So kind of what – obviously the, the two in a row that Montana had to go face look a lot different than the two that Montana State are now going to go face on the road, but still going on the road. in this league is not easy. It's not not, not easy to – Sleep in a hotel with a roommate and, you know, guy, guy right next to you and having to take the plane trip and, you know, it's just everything's different. So it's a, it's a matter of focus. And I think that Coach Vegan and his staff have done a good job of keeping these kids extremely focused when they go on the road and, and, and uh, you know, looking, looking, looking to start out in November on the right track.
1: He's Ty Gregorack. He joins us each week here on the Big Sky Breakdown, skylineSportsMT.com. Coach Ty, thanks for being here, man. Travel safe.
3: Thanks, guys. Appreciate you.
1: Whether you're in the restaurant business or you just want to host any big event, JMV Restaurant Supply can make sure you have everything you need. JMV Restaurant Supply is your home for everything kitchen. Whether you're a bear or a bobcat, an eagle or a scotty, JV Restaurant has everything you might need. They have locations in Bozeman, Billings, and Great Falls. But if you can't make it in, JNV also has a great website, jvrestaurant.com. Get everything you need for your next event at JMV, your restaurant specialist. Also have to thank all of our fit during football sponsors as well. I've been trying to really keep the fitness honed in, keep the mind fresh. I made a lot of health changes in my life. Gave up the the drinking, gave up the boozing, and uh, been trying to eat as healthy as possible. And so been staying on track with the help from the guys over at uh, Nutrition on Reserve here in Missoula, as I sit here in the Garden City. The uh, High protein intake it helps you a lot. It helps curb the appetite. Helps also helps with muscle recovery. Helps you feel fresh. My mind feels great, and uh, it helps you work out a lot harder as well. So that's been a, a welcome addition for me, and also been hitting it hard at both the Hype House, uh, which is a cycling and strength studio. Awesome place, very welcoming environment, totally outside my comfort zone, but they have awesome spin classes, but also awesome strength classes too. So you can get your lifting in over there as well and get some high resistance type training. That's really good for building that lean muscle mass. And also got to say thanks to Hothouse Yoga. They've been great as well. Uh, helping me relax, wind down, you know. It, it but it does it kind of juices you up a little bit too, you know, cuz you, you get to sit there and be with your thoughts and stretch it out and it's very challenging physically too. A lot of body weight strength being built as well. But you kind of just get to be you just get to be and you get to let let go of things and and really explore your own mind and uh, it helps you return to center and then if you're doing it early in the day or in the middle of the day, boom, you hit it and charge hard towards the rest of the day so God yeah, thanks all those great sponsors for uh helping me out if you want to learn more you can visit all their websites nutrition on reserve hype house and the hot house yoga studio but check out all those fine sponsors if you're trying to get fit i promise you you won't regret the decision big share breakdown rolls on world series is rolling we got our number three hitter up now actually means the best hitter in the lineup at least that's how baseball used to work now they hit kyle schwarber in the uh in the leadoff spot. Don't know why that is, but we're here with Dan Sky mt.com SkylineSportsMT.com, wears a lot of hats, producing our ESPN radio show now, and also curating Soccer in Snow and Smoke, a uh, soccer podcast, talking all things soccer around the state of Montana, and even internationally sometimes. We're going to talk to Big Sky Conference football today. Uh, Andrew does a weekly edition on Skyline Sports, a print uh, story, The Big Sky Scramble, where he takes a great look inside uh, football programs uh, across the uh, the conference, breaking down some film and some schematic stuff and some trends and things like that. It's a very interactive and uh, fun piece to read every week. I look forward to it every week. And uh, this week, though, The Big Sky Scramble is a Power Rankings Edition and basically, Andrew just ranked the uh, the teams that are left in the playoff race. So the teams that are not left in the playoff race out of the Big Sky Conference, but still could have an influence on the playoff race, make no mistake. Portland State, Eastern Washington, Northern Arizona, Cal Poly, Northern Colorado, and Idaho State. He had them in that order, 7 through 12. Uh, but then the uh, the ones that, you know the other ones that are in, uh, in order. So what do you want to do? I go descending or ascending order? How are we going to do this?
4: I guess let's just start at the top and okay, work our way down. Top,
1: I guess my first question for you is:
4: Was this easy or hard? It was pretty easy. Yeah, there were a couple. There were a couple hard calls. Okay. Uh, Started. I mean, starting at the top, I don't think Sacramento State is far and away clear of everybody else in the conference. I mean, that's who I put number one. Yep. They're one of two teams in the conference without a conference loss so far this season. They're the only undefeated team overall in the conference so far this season. But I think there are two other teams with an argument sort of for that number one spot that I put Sacramento State in. And I sort of laid out my reasons why I'm not all the way 100% in on Sac State. I mean, I, I still have some worries about their defense. They've just been outscoring everybody. And to be fair, they have got the stops when they needed. The last couple of weeks, they've had to play close games against Montana and against Idaho. And the defense has been able to get stops when they've needed to but I still get a lot of questions about their defense. But again, as I sort of said in the piece, I'm not really sure that matters.
1: I don't know if it matters either because I think that the, the, the element of this Sac State team that's different than the last two years is that how well they can run the ball. They've been good running the ball. Now they're outstanding running the ball. I mean, Cameron Scadaboo might be the Big Sky Conference MVP at this point. Not only though, I mean, did you see his block? Yeah. On Asher O'Hara's touchdown against Idaho? I mean, he 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 leveled. Paul Maolo, who's one of the best linebackers in the league at Idaho, a Notre Dame transfer. A guy, got played at Notre Dame, not just was on the roster. And Scadaboo just, like, ended him. <laughs> and that's just a part of it. He's also averaging almost eight yards of carry, 123 rushing yards per game, both best in the big sky. And sometimes the best defense is a great offense, right? I mean, I don't, I'm not so sure Montana State's all that good on defense either, but they've been able to run the ball for 300 yards a game, and that's such a great boon for your defense no matter what.
4: Well, that's right. And the other thing about Sac State's offense is I think they can control the game no matter what the circumstances are, right? If they need to shut it down with the running game and go on a 10-yard drive where they're just never going to face a third and long because they're getting six yards of carry on first down, with Scadaboo and with Asher O'Hare, if they need to grind it out that way, they can. I think we're forgetting, though, when we're talking about this team, they can air it out, too, with yes. Jake Dunaway in there, and even with O'Hare in there, but especially with Jake Dunaway at quarterback. This is a team that's got a ton of weapons between Pierre Williams, the tight end, Marshall Martin, Jared Gibson's still there at Sac yep. State. This is, a team, this is a team, and this is an offense that is really built to never face a situation that they can't handle
1: that's why I just don't know if it matters if their defense isn't elite, right because I think it's the style that they play they they're gonna figure out a way to manage the game so that they have the ball last and if they have the ball last they got a chance I have also been incredibly impressed because when you're new on the scene and you know it's like Brooks Nuada said earlier in this podcast he said Sac State's going to have the demons of the playoff failures from the last two years until they don't. And that's it. That's it. That's all. You just got to be able to move beyond that because you're not going to be able to vanquish those demons until you get another chance to do it. But I also think it's very interesting when you are the, the new top dog, then you've been the new top dog for a couple years, and then how do you handle taking everybody's best shot? They took the best shot from the Grizzlies and Idaho these last two weeks. And that's been very impressive to me and so I think definitely Sac State uh, justified it being number one in your Big Sky Power Rankings. They are undefeated in the league, undefeated overall, and uh, number two in the country. Anything you want to add on Sac before we move on? No, I just I I really enjoyed
4: watching and following Sac State this year.
1: Yeah, they're they're a fun team to watch. Uh, you know, it's, as the feature I wrote about them before the Montana game, as Andy Taps said, it's pretty simple. They have a lot of fun. And, yeah. That's the thing, you know, I've been screaming and yelling about the Grizzlies on Nuanas now and, and sort of some of their antiquated ways of, of operating and believing and things like that. Being just so tough and disciplined, it's it's important, but it's not as important as it used to be. It just really isn't. And I just wonder how much just, I mean, Andy Tapson was telling me just on a personal level, like what it's like working down there. and He's like, yeah, man, we're our, our schedule is way, way different than it's than any of my other coaching jobs. Like we're we're not spending 17 hours a day in the office. Like we're just having some fun and like could just, be good for you. Who knew? Well, that's what I'm saying is like you can watch film 16 hours a day. There's no direct correlation that that's going to make you the best team in the country. In fact, I think it's going to hurt you. I think that I think there's too much available. I think just kind of doing what you do, letting it all hang out, having fun, making plays, all that stuff. Uh, is going to help you be more successful this day and age.
4: What do you got at number two? I put Weaver State at number two, and ahead I ahead of Montana State. Ahead of Montana State, and I acknowledge that in the first very very first line of their entry. I know that Montana State's last game that the Bobcats played was a win over Weaver State, but yes, I have Weber State at two and Montana State at three. What uh, what put the Wildcats ahead? Well, okay. First of all, these two teams are really close. I just want to say that. I agree. They're separated by a hair, and in fact, they're both very close, I think, with Sac State as well. Mm -hmm. I think both of these teams were in consideration for that number one spot. I think you could make an argument for either of these two teams as being the number one team in the country, and certainly you could make an argument for either of these teams to be ahead of the other. I was really impressed with Weber State in that loss in Bozeman. I mean, that game was maybe the craziest game that we've ever seen, and we've seen some crazy games even just with the Montana Grizzlies the last two years. For sure. I just think that was a, a unique set of unrepeatable circumstances with right. Weber's long snapper falling apart in that game and giving Montana State eight free points in a game that they eventually won by five. And Weber State had some had some luck in that game. I mean, Montana State outgained them. They weren't able to stop Tommy Mallott running the ball, obviously, put up 273 yards. But I just thought with everything going on, Weber State was really impressive in that game. That game was in Bozeman. I just think in an, on a neutral field game, I would have Weber State Slightly favored, and that's because I have so much faith in their defense, and especially their defensive secondary, and the way that defense takes away the pass from from everybody in the country.
1: I I would contend this just because I think that the 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 log snaps and all the crazy things that uh, happened were certainly a huge part of the game. I think one of the most underrated parts of the game, though, was. Not only did Weber State snap the ball in the back of the end zone four times, but then when Montana State got the ball after those safeties, they scored every single time. I mean, Weber State has given up seven offensive touchdowns this year besides to the Cats, and they gave up five to the Cats. That's correct. I think people are having a hard time wrapping their mind around Montana State being potentially the best offensive team in the league because Montana State has been nothing but just – blood defense for the last little while. I mean, you know, Jeff Choate was fully satisfied on running the ball 65 times a game and uh, just leaning on the defense. And then last year, they just leaned on a couple guys offensively. I mean, it was the it was Lance McCutcheon and Isaiah Fonse versus the world offensively because they knew that they could just hold you to 17 points or 14 points or whatever with their lights-out defense. But, uh, you know... I think Taylor Houseright's one of the most uh, potential-filled and up-and-coming young coaches in the league, Montana State's offensive coordinator. And I think what the Bobcats do on offense and what they've done on offense, despite a just unbelievable amount of injuries, has been really, really impressive. So um, I also, though, think that Weber State... Weber State is going to meddle in your power rankings always because Weber State does nothing but win under jay hill and they hardly ever look good doing it and that's that they look so good defensively but they they are just so sputtery on offense all the time well it's exactly
4: what we've been seeing with the grizz right that's i right. mean it's it's really similar yeah i mean montana state everything that we said about sacramento state's run game is is true and more for montana state i mean they commit to it more than sacramento state they know that's their identity on offense and they've been so good at it um you know they're averaging almost 300 running yards per game they're they're a great team. I just I have more faith in Weber State's defense than I do in in anything that Montana State does, and wow, that okay. might be wrong.
1: Okay, it's interesting. I also thought your way of describing uh, Montana State and how they are able to sort of uh, maintain this won't be beat attitude it was very good. I mean, I think that what, what you said was so spot on. You can't you can't wish how you wish that it was. Right.
4: You have to just coach based on how it is. That's what Brett Vegan is so good at. Well, he's so good at it, and he's so good at picking up on the circumstances right away. Yeah, Some right. coaches have the willingness to change, sure, it just but takes it takes them a, them a quarter or two to realize what's actually going right. on on the field and get that into their heads and then make the right adjustments. Brett Vegan does this right away. I mean, he's there's no hesitation. He picks up on, on the conditions, he picks up on the circumstances, and he adjusts the team to take advantage of them. And I said, you know, we did this last year when it became apparent that Tommy Malott was going to be the best option for them at quarterback late in the season. Yep. No hesitation about making that change and no acknowledgement of the risks of making that change, right? right? right, right. Then, That's you know, the
1: most fascinating part. Most coaches would say, oh, man, if we, if we bench our starting quarterback – we believe in our decision, but people are gonna think. Our players are gonna think. The locker room's
4: gonna think. Right. This Vegan guy's gonna says, this this guy's gonna transfer out and Vegan things just are gonna says go this bad. is the decision. This is the best thing that that is gonna happen. So this is so the what, no what's gonna happen. Yeah, it's amazing. Right. And the same thing in that game against Weber State. I mean a lot of people would have said, Okay, we can't throw the ball. What's the best way for us to win this game? What's the best way for us to move the ball? And a lot of coaches would have arrived at the answer which was to run Tommy lot 30 or 35 times and right. then been like well we can't do that he's our starting quarterback he's our only healthy quarterback right now right. with Sean right. Chambers right. out what are going to be the consequences of doing that Brent Vegan just says well this is the best option that's what we're going to do and we're going to switch over into it immediately there's a lot of things that make Montana great from the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the
3: west but what really makes this place special is you Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. At Opportunity Bank, our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, we can make a good thing even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC.
1: Big I break down uh, here on uh, SkylineSportsMT.com. Andrew Houghton joining us. Uh, appreciate all of our great sponsors, including Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. All right. So then, uh, so we got Sac State 1, Weaver State 2, Montana State 3. And then you got the Vandals.
4: Yeah. And
1: I think, man, the Vandals are so funny to me, too, because this last several weeks, we've gotten such a full dose of watching all of the teams outside of Montana. We've we watched the Montana teams very intently all year long, as we always do. And then we've gotten full up front, up close and personal with all the rest of the, the contending teams in the Big Sky Conference in October. I mean, we got live looks at Idaho, UC Davis, Sac State, and Weber State multiple times. Idaho's the team that's looked the best to me. I don't say, I'm not saying they are the best. They looked the best when they beat Montana and Missoula than any of these other teams, just in terms of playing these clean games. These games have been sort of crazy. I mean, Sac State against Idaho early and late was really good. But, like, in terms of front to start to finish execution – Idaho against Montana was the best single game performance we saw in October.
4: Okay, so Idaho is the reason I didn't split this up into tiers this time, right. which is normally what I do because splitting it up into tiers helps sort of resolve a lot of the complaining. For example, for putting Weber State ahead of Montana sure. State, if I just say these teams are in the same tier, sure. they're basically the same. Right. It stops people from complaining about it so much. But I just, I would have had to put Idaho in that first tier, and I just wasn't sure if I could get there with them. For so you know, they've proven it. Over and over again, I mean, I think that if you look at it and you look at the way they play and you go back and and watch them play in these games, Idaho's a national title contender. If if you're saying that Weber State, Montana State, Sac State are national title contenders, I think Idaho's right up in that group with them.
1: Yeah, I was thinking this morning while I was getting ready for work, I was thinking about this piece, and I was thinking about how, how these teams are all very good and all very even, and how I still was very unsure if any of them were better than the Cats were last year. Sure or even the Grizz were last year. Sure. And I was also thinking how good the Cats were last year and how they still got their asses beat in Frisco. <laughs> and so then it's like in the mix to make a run to the national title game is maybe how we should say it. you right, might, sure. might be a step down this year. W- we'll see. We'll see. I actually have a feeling that this year – might be a little bit more wide open. It might be a little bit more attainable. But I agree with you, man. And I think that Javonni McCoy at Idaho and and their offensive skill guys like the the freshman running back, the Woods kid, and, Anthony Woods, yeah, and uh, Hayden Hatton, who you wrote about in this piece, are getting so many headlines. But it, it's their it's the attitude they play with on defense that I think is is even as impressive. They they lost a couple headliners over the last couple of years that are guys that went to the NFL that were some of the best in the big sky. But Favai Favai, am I saying that right? Yeah. I mean, the dude is, he's he's a he's a flat intimidator, man. I mean, Well, Moala's the same way. Yeah, Ma- Paul Moala's really good, too. But, I mean, Favai Favai is like, put you on your back and then flex in your face. And he's done it every, I mean, I've watched him four weeks in a row now. He's a thumper, man. Like, I don't know if he's making as much of an impact like Patrick O'Connell does off the edge. But in terms of guys that can just put you on your ass and just flex on you and set the tone for a game, he's the best guy I've seen in the
4: league. Right. I mean they haven't missed a beat losing Trey Walker, who was a guy who sure. was in an NFL camp and, and very nearly made the Washington football team. Yeah, the defense goes under the radar. I, I just think the thing with Idaho is it's a sample size issue, right? We have so many, we have evidence on these other teams. We have more than a season's worth of evidence on these other teams that Weber yeah. State's defense is going to be good and Tommy Mallott is going to be really good and Sac State's offense and running game are going to be really good. And with Idaho, what you have is, is two months of that, really, and, and really a month of it since they've sort of morphed into the form that they are now with Giovanni McCoy and then Hayden Hatton really being the number one guy on offense.
1: Hayden Hatton is a great example of what what I'm yelling about the Grizz not putting their guys in a position to succeed. Like Hayden Hatton, he's got a lot of charisma, a lot of swagger. You can tell he plays with a ton of confidence. He's got good hands. He runs good routes. And and he's big. He's got big body. I mean, 6'2", 215. He's also just such a great example of if you got a dude that has better athleticism, the guy's guarding him, you just throw him the freaking ball, man. Well, and he's also got the right
4: attitude for that's it. He right. lives for those one-on-one balls, right? He lives to be in single coverage, looking at the guy across from him and saying, I'm going to beat you. Whether that, I mean, normally it's by jumping over the guy because that's what he's he's best at. But he's just got the perfect attitude for being that number one receiver for saying you know, put me on an island with this with this guy and I'll go beat him. And that's what they did. He had three touchdowns in like twelve minutes worth of game time.
1: <laughs> I mean, I was watching this thing driving on I fifteen. My girlfriend's driving in the car and she's listening to music and like, you know, every five minutes I'm like, whoa. <laughs> and she's like, what are you watching? I'm like, I'm watching this Caden Hatton kid just, just dance all over. Well did you see the Sac catch State? he had the week before too in yeah. the Kibbe Dome, the one hander in the end zone? Amazing. He's he's a great player. The second point about Idaho before we move on here on the Big Sky Breakdown is that this is such a small possibility, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. What if Idaho just won the national championship in, Jason, For sure. first year? For sure. I, it would break the brains of the entire Big Sky Conference. No, nobody would know how to handle that. The Cats and Grizz fans would not know how to handle that. It would be the worst thing that ever happened to Idaho in the long term. It would be so
4: great in the short term. It would be great for everybody in the short term. It would be so good for the conference. It would be so good for and the conference. And it would be good for Montana and Montana State. It would, absolutely. It would just break the brains of all
1: the people. It would also, though, then turn the Vandal fan base, which is a great fan base, into, like, the Grizz fan base, where it's like, if we win a national championship, everything sucks. You cannot sucks. have perspective after that, because it cannot get
4: any better. But, like, yes. you cannot have any perspective about it, yeah. That it would, it would, that be, would be, be interesting. But, again, Idaho is up there with the, I mean— Idaho is up there with those teams for me. I totally it, it's agree, not man. A, that, it, that's, it is a far-fetched scenario, but it's not an impossible scenario. You I know mean, what I'm saying? I,
1: th- I think that's one of the funniest things that's going on on the message boards. And yes, I do read all of your people's comments on all this stuff. I don't. It's a sickness. <laughs> no, mostly I just think it's so funny. Uh, but I do think it's so funny that the Grizz faithful, God bless them, had such a hard time compartmentalizing when Idaho came to Missoula that Idaho was just as good as the Grizz or if not better. Right. That hard time compartmental, it's all about the Grizz didn't play well. The Grizz didn't play well, but the Grizz also haven't played well in a month, so I'm not even sure that they're that even even that good. I mean, good teams don't play bad for 35 days in a row. I think the Grizz are good. I don't think they're I don't know if they're great. I think they gotta prove, they gotta reprove that they're great for sure. But it was so hard. But then the cat fans have just glommed onto that and been like, well, Idaho's just better than Montana. But that's not that unrealistic of a scenario. No. And it's so hard
4: for Grizz people to to uh, absorb that and and compartmentalize that. Well, because the, the Idaho had sort of fallen into this narrative. I mean, they've been back in the conference for long enough for them to have for a narrative to have grown yeah. up around them. Just that Idaho was a team that had a lot of talent still from the for FBS sure. days, but was always going to underachieve and was kind of soft and just was not going to be a factor in at the top of the conference. And even though it's been you know three or four years. That's the narrative that's stuck in people's head about them. For sure, 100%.
1: And I, I just think people have a hard time realizing that there's so many factors that go into winning. Talent's only one of them. Coaching's only one of them. Continuity, your mission, your ability to be together, your ability to sustain, your consistency, your complacency or lack thereof. There's, there's so many different things that go into it. And also, just like the the element of resentment, and I think Idaho had a ton of resentment going on in their program because of the guys that were at the head of it, and then they got rid of it, and they bring in Mister Happy Go Lucky, the funnest coach in the league, and Jason Eck just was like, you know, I mean, what a situation to step into. You got a, a team that has a that has a roster flush with talent. You add five really good transfers to it, and then all of a sudden. You're off and running, and you're in the mix for the Big Sky title your first year. It's yeah, but he's
4: hit everything right, right? Yeah. Because the big question on the roster was the quarterback, and even though he brought in a transfer, he clearly made the right decision there, and the development of Giovanni McCoy this year has been astounding. You talk about him bringing in transfers, Favai Favai, Paul Mawala, all those guys, just getting them to, to mesh and to play well together is a difficult coaching job. I just, I just think he's hit everything right on the head this year. Even the stuff that we're not seeing X's and O's wise from game to game.
1: And, when you, and that's why they, when you talk big picture, it's going to be so hard for him to follow this up. And that's also why it's been so impressive to see what Brett Vegan has done because Vegan stepped into a situation where it was flush with talent, a hungry group of guys, a player-run program. He maxes it out, and there's all of the reasons in all, all of the world for them to have a complete fall-off yep. this year. You know, when Tommy Watt hits his head on the turf at Eastern, I'm sitting here thinking, well, there there it goes. That, that's the beginning of the end. That's well, gonna- they were...
4: Two plays away from losing that game, too.
1: For sure, uh, and you just think, uh, wow, that you know that this is going to be the, the a slow demise, and then not so much. Here they are, five and zero in league play. Uh, Big C, I break down Andrew Houghton. Okay, so now we're we're to the team that a lot of people on this pod are listening for, and uh, you got the Grizzlies in the mix, but uh, down there at the five spot, and uh, I, I don't really think I can argue that Montana hasn't been any good for a
4: really long time. It's a close call between them and Davis for I mean, number five. I mean, they're the ex- they have the exact same resume right now, for sure. And, and that's just unfathomable
1: to think about. I've been racking my brain, th- thinking to myself, did I just misevaluate the Grizz coming into this year? Because I picked the Grizz to win the league. Yep, I thought the Grizz were very good. I, th- I thought it was absolutely going to be Bobby Hawk's best team since he's been back at the helm. But I've been thinking to myself, have, did I just misevaluate the Grizz? And then I think to myself, I don't think that we misevaluated the talent. I, did, I do think we didn't consider what would happen if it started to unravel on them. And that I don't know if it's been a complete unraveling as much as it's been poor circumstances, but we just talked about poor circumstances for three of the four teams that we talked about in this before we got to the Grizz, and they haven't had the unraveling that the Grizz have had.
4: Right. If things unravel for you when one thing goes wrong, that's a not a good team that's right, right. That, then we misevaluated right. them right. if that's what's going right. to happen that's if you right. have to be at level 100 just throughout the season for things to go right for you to perform at your top level then that's a problem with your team yeah that's right you, you know what i'm saying and it's you're right i mean it's just been a, a sort of cascade and it's been a waterfall of things going wrong and bad breaks and injuries of course but but good teams find a way to to snap out of that, right? And and maybe I know you. I think we'll see the Grizz do that in the next two weeks because they don't sure. have. They're not playing good teams, and I think they'll they'll come back and look really good in these next two weeks. But just you have to find some way to stop the slide. And I think we did. I'm not sure if we misevaluated the Grizz in the preseason coming into this season as much as much as it's just we focus too much on the strengths of the team and not enough on the potential weaknesses.
1: Yeah, and I think we also just didn't focus enough on their whole their whole system and their whole strategy is based on do what we do as well as we possibly can, or we're just going to out-effort you. Right. Well, now there's enough good coaches in the league that realize that you can attack that effort and make it into a weakness. Or you, you can if you find a chink in their armor, they don't have another they won't shield they to won't adjust.
4: Up. Yeah, they won't adjust to it. They they
1: they, they don't they don't adjust. Right, they don't right. adjust. They, they don't. I your greatest strengths your greatest weakness. It is incredibly impressive that they can play as good a defense as they do without having personnel packages. It's actually insane in modern day college football. I mean, freaking Billings senior runs the nickel when they play sentinel. You know what I mean? Like you gotta have a different package. But but the grizz don't when they're playing well. But then and it start. I don't know. It's funny because we did our best and worst case scenarios for all the teams in the Big Sky back in August, and one of the things I said was the worst case scenario for the grizz is if the quarterback play was mediocre and the offense was not pulling its weight and the defense had to win the day all the time, how long could that be sustainable, especially when there's a narrative that the offense is going to pull its weight? How much does that cause just unrest in the ranks? And then all of a sudden that that came true. That's exactly what's happened. And now you can't drum up enough momentum on special teams to carry the day for the offense. You can't. I mean... The Grizz defense, the dam broke for the first time against Weber State. Yep, No one's been able to run against it. No matter what their pluses and minuses have been over the last State can do it. three years, no one runs against yep. the Grizz. My job was on the press box table watching Weber get the ball back with six minutes to go and then pounding it down Montana's throat to close the game. Without
4: Josh Davis.
1: I've never seen that happen to Bobby Howell. Like It must have been... An uh, 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 unbelievable experience for Coach Hauk. As I wrote in my game story, that's what Bobby Hauk did to the rest of the league for seven years in a row back in the in the first stint. So my how times change, my how the tables turn. So uh, the Grizzlies sitting there at number five. Anything else on the Grizz?
4: Well, I just think that we misdiagnosed that the chances of that happening, that's of right. that worst case scenario happening were higher than we thought it, that we're going to be in preseason because it's yeah. easy to dismiss as, an, as a far-fetched scenario, as an unlikely scenario. Yep. But I guess the thing is that when... You can hope for health from your quarterback. The issue is that when if when your quarterback gets hurt, you go from having the second or third best quarterback situation in the league to the absolute worst. The, the worst I've ever seen. That's a, that's a problem, right? That's we, a, just, we just misdiagnosed how costly that could possibly be, no matter how unlikely it was. We
1: could go off forever about this, but the last thing I'll say on this too is that there's no way that Chris Brown's the second best quarterback on Montana they they should they ha- and and if he is then that is a such a referendum on the staff you sure. you got to be better i mean this is not attack on Chris Brown he can't function man i feel bad for him because he can't play in division 1 games like he can't process it he just clutches the ball until he gets sacked
4: yeah and i guess the other point that i sort of made in the story is that they don't have a guy on the outside who can make it any easier for him right yeah we think they should we have guys who look like they have the potential to they don't have Hayden Hatton they don't have but maybe Cole Grossman could be Hayden Hatton they I just, don't know man I think if he, I think if he could be it would have happened by now maybe that's I, the biggest it's question it's so about easy to look at Cole Grossman and say oh man there are things outside of his control holding this guy back yeah but it just it hasn't happened right
1: yeah, for sure uh, the other thing I kept thinking about was that when I watched him in high school Chris Brown was completely unmemorable to me and I was just so so surprised when they were recruiting this kid out of Bozeman. I thought they were doing it all for optics, just to like rub it in the cat's face, even though the cats didn't even offer Chris Brown. And Carson Rostad was one of the most unforgettable quarterbacks I've ever seen in Montana high school football. And I never even got to watch him take college reps because he played quarterback at Montana for about half of a redshirt yep. year. And then they're like, ooh, 6'3", 220, we got to put that guy an outside linebacker. And uh, you know, I don't know. Well, Now we're just digging. But.
4: That's the thing about Chris Brown, right? Chris Brown was a developmental guy coming out of high school. Right. I mean, he was a guy who had the frame and he had the arm for it. Yeah. But everybody knew when he came in that there was going to have to be work done on that guy to make him into a Division One college quarterback. And we thought that there was a, a good ball of clay there for the developmental staff to work with. And he hasn't got any better. But we knew that he was going to have to get better from where he was coming out of high school to be able to play Division I football. And it's just that's a referendum on, on like you said, the coaching staff more than anything.
1: You see Davis, uh, your last team in this week's Big Sky Scramble Power Ranking, the last one that remains uh, up for uh, playoff contention. I thought Davis was good when I watched him in Bozeman. I think Davis is good. Yeah, I think they're good. I, 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 I think Davis... I I think that Davis could win all of the rest of their games.
4: I don't think that they will, but I think they could. They certainly could. I think the it, I, I'm really looking forward to that Davis first Idaho game, which is not this week, but I think next week because they finish the season. I think they have both games at home, Idaho and then the Causeway Classic. UC Davis is still alive. They need some things to go their way, which they they haven't. I mean, losing that South Dakota State game by two, losing a game to Weber that you know 17-12, where they had four or five drives late with that score to try to to get on the board, and Weber just held and kept them out of the end zone. They need some of those things to go their way in those two games. I think you know. I think they're going to win one of those games, and I think they're going to be one of the worst bubble cuts for the playoffs, because I don't think you're getting in at six and five, no, no matter how good the, the resume is. But I think they would be a playoff caliber team if they finish six and five with a win over one of those teams. They just they won't get in, and I know I posed this hypothetical. I don't think they'll get in over a seven and four Montana team, even if the, the Grizz lose to the Bobcats and don't have a single ranked win all season. I think the Grizz would still get in over them.
1: I think so, too. UC Davis is going to be kicking themselves for those four missed field goals or three missed field goals excuse me at Weber State uh earlier this year. That game was big, at home I think. Or I, I guess at UC Davis when yeah. Weber was in Davis. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's that's going to be if they finish 6 and 5, that'll be the and that and That'll be the game that held them out of the playoffs. And they'll, they'll well, regret and the, that. You
4: know, the two point conversion at the end against South Dakota State. Totally. But of course the goal. The well, field they had goals. missed an
1: extra point to make them go for two. If they just make the extra point that it's twenty four twenty four, you're going to overtime. Maybe you have a whole different story there, too.
4: Kickers, man, they're important. So are
1: <laughs> long snappers. Oh man. I never in my life thought I would see a day where the Grizz kicker, especially with Bobby Hawkins, the head coach, was four of eleven. It's just And how many of those have been blocked? They, they've three? had, I, th- I think they've they've had three blocked in the last two weeks. Right. One of them just happened to go in. Uh, I guess right. Right. Day. But I mean, they've had one, two, three, four field goals blocked, and they've had one, at least two extra points blocked, and they've missed four other ex- They've missed four total extra points and seven total field goals. Eleven missed kicks. We don't have any problems. That any we don't we don't have any issues on special teams. Unbelievable. Uh, Andrew Houghton, skyonsportsmt You can check out his great writing. Uh, throughout every week throughout the rest of the football season. You'll also find him here on the Big Sky Breakdown, presented in part by Nick Tabor and Westpac Wealth. Westpac Wealth, helping make your life more tax-efficient. Thanks for being here, man. Thank you, Colter.